0: How we see things can change what they are, how we define dilemmas, influences, how we resolve them. What we have here is one of the most central sugyot in the whole of Shas. Um, something that impacts almost everything else that, that we learn—that's the nature of ketuvot. As we talked about it, it's it's one of the keys to shas, because on every page practically there, there's a principle that opens up many, many other sugyot, and this is this is one of them. On on days like this, I, I appreciate so much the tefillah that we say before we learn, uh, after we learn, uh, thanking the Rebbeinu Shem Shesamta Chelkenu ben for making giving us an opportunity to be part of the people who, who are learning together in, in the Beit Midrash. Because when we learn pieces of Gomorrah like this, like we're going to learn today, and, and, uh, and we have for the last few days, I'm filled with a sense of terrible sadness for the people who are not here and are not listening. I just feel terrible sadness. Uh, or not just the people, who not listen. Just people who haven't had the opportunity to learn this way, to understand things in this way, mm-hmm. uh, and and I feel enormously indebted to you, the, the people who are here every morning, um, because it drives me to to learn the sugya deeper and deeper, and to extract principles that are relevant to you and to me and to the people who are listening in. Uh, it, it just your presence here makes that. Uh, uh, inspires me to do, to do that. And, and learning is so interesting when you're learning. You'll notice that generally the makorot that I bring, the, the sources that I bring are Gemara, Rishonim and an occasional acharon, one of the classical acharonim. It's not a lot of cutting and pasting what people are saying, certainly not what contemporary people are saying. In today's sources, as you'll see, it's a Gemara, it's a Rashi, it's a Tosus, that's it. Um, some Tanakh at the back. The, um, because learning is like like baking, when you bake a piece of a loaf of bread or you buy a loaf of bread, what do you want? You want the ingredients to be natural and you want it to have been baked fresh. You don't want artificial ingredients and you don't want it to have been baked a month ago or a week ago or even a day ago. You want it to have been baked today. And, and the idea that Torah has to be fresh every day. Is not just an idea of our approach to Torah. It's so that the chiddushim, so that the ideas you develop out of Torah are today's ideas, not yesterday's ideas. Because yesterday's ideas are stale today. It doesn't mean they're wrong. Doesn't mean they're inadequate. It doesn't mean they're false. They're just not fresh. And when you learn Torah and you go deep and you extract principles, and you're extracting them for today, for your life, for the life of the people around you. That's what the Yom Yubin Echeke Chadashim is. Uh, and that's why I don't like to bring things, to base the sheer on things that other people said a week ago or a month ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. The Gemara, the Rishonim and the Gedolah Acheronim are the ingredients. That has to be authentic, that has to be real. But the baking has to be our own and it has to be fresh and it has to be relevant. So what we're doing here is we're working with these ingredients and I'm going to try and bake the idea for you uh, this sugya there are hundreds of entire s'forim written on this sugya alone, on what it means. So one can get confused very easily, and I'm going to try and go just as far as you need to go to have clarity, uh, and and to gain an idea and a concept that can influence the way we live our lives. So I'm not going to go through the whole Gemara, um, but but what this I've brought the Gemara here? Those of you who are learning Daph will know the Gemara, or will come to it, or, um, or can go through the Gemara. One has, one has to go through the whole piece, you can't do part of it. But the important thing as far as we're concerned for today are the five principles of working with, with statistics um, that, that, that the sugya deals with. The, under, the, the overarching principle is Acharei Rabbim Lahatot. <laughs> Majorities are important to us. We often use majorities. We use majorities in a based in a court of law. We use majorities. We use majorities. in many cases in the Torah. The uh, this sugya tracks part of it down to one of the psuchim, uh where we where we follow a majority. That's the overarching principle. However, the the one principle, the, the next two principles we look at is. The, called the parish miruba parish. That's when something has separated itself from a conglomerate of objects, and the doubt is in the separated object. Then we go after the rov. However, kavua If the thing is fixed and there has been no movement, then it's like 50 There's no. We don't use majority. We don't use statistics. And that's what's so very difficult, and what so many svarim have been written about. And the next two things are. Safek Bereshut HaYachid Tameh, that if there's a Safek in a in Adat, in Reshut HaYachid, in private property, we treat it as Tameh. If it's in public property, we treat it as Tahor. And this is what, what creates a, a lot of the difficulty because if you'll see Tuma and Tahara and Kosher and Treif, as, as Reb Shimon Shkop likes to see it, that it's as if there's, a, there's poison in the thing. When someone says Treif, there's, a, there's something about it that is poisonous to your soul. There's an, there's an objective reality there. Then, of course, the big question comes, how does that change? because there's a statistical majority, does that change the the, 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 the percentage And if Shimon asks, well, can you imagine if if there was a, a deathly poison in a in an in something and you didn't know whether this was the one with the poison or without the poison? And I said to you, there's a fifty one percent chance that it's not the poisoned one. So enjoy yourself. We're not going to do that. And as we learned recently in, the, in one of the sugyot, that the, when, when the downside is catastrophic, we don't use the same statistics. And if, if you're saying that there's something that could be treif, that could be poisonous to you on the Shoma, that's catastrophic. Why would you use a rov? Uh, in, the, in the famous case that our Gomorrah brings and is used all over Shas, there are nine stores in Rayanana. One of them is treif and, nine, and eight of them are kosher. And you find a piece of meat in the street in Ranana, you can assume it's kosher. And what happens if five of them are, are, are kosher and four of them are tref? You can also assume that it's kosher. Really? We're dealing with poison to the neshama, you're going to make such an assumption? The answer is yes, I'll how, assume. how can you do that? The uh, soffek, tumu Berushus Harabim. also, you've got a, a dead body in the street. We don't know if it's a Jewish dead body or a non-Jewish dead body, we don't know. So it's a question of whether it's tame or it's tame mate or it isn't. So it's in Rishu Sarabim, so we'll say, no, we can assume it's a non-Jewish body. If somebody moved it before we got there, across just one meter into private property, and we saw the same dead body, we would say, no, it's a Jewish body, but we've got to assume that it's tame. What's changed? Nothing's changed in the physical reality. So how does the halacha change so radically when physical reality doesn't change? Those are all the issues around this around this topic. The um, if you look, you look at look at the the Rashi, we're talking there about the, the nine shops. So the story with the nine shops: five of them kosher, one of them, four of them treif, or nine, eight of them kosher and one of them treif. The point is, if the majority of kosher, you can assume the meat that you find in the street and you don't know what shop it comes from, you can assume it's it's kosher. It comes from a kosher shop. However, if you bought meat in one of the shops, but you just don't know whether you bought it in one of the kosher or one of the treif shops, you're not sure? Then you can't assume. That's called kavua. You can't assume that the meat that you bought is kosher. Says Rashi, Uvanimza, if you find the meat in the sea, Basara nimtzah bashuk, Yad Inan me ezepiresh. The doubt, the dilemma is which shop did it come from? That's what the dilemma is. Then hela kahararov, ho Lo faneenu lobema kom kviutalaka, ukvar pishal yidea kher. Since the safek in front of us has already come away from its fixed place of, of being, it's now in the streets, somebody else put it there. Then called the parish Miruba parish. We hold the principle that if it, we can assume that it comes from the majority, one of the majority shops, not one from one of the minority shops. Tosfos in Chulin asks, uh, "Haven't we said that midoraisa, if you've got three things, two are kosher, one is treif, they mix together, the whole thing becomes becomes kosher?" So we follow we follow this follow Rov says Haino Hecha heichas urav, the principle that, of beetle, that when you've got a mixture, you can go by the majority, is when the mixture is one unit, it becomes like a compound, an inseparable compound, and you've got to decide, are we going to treat this compound as kosher or treif? We can use majority to make a, to make a, a decision but if they are separable and identifiable as the nine shops are, then you can't make them. It's not, a, it's not one mixture. So where it's one system and you've got to say, is the system a kosher system or a treif system? You can say the majority of shops are kosher. We treat it like a kosher system. This meat came from the system. The system is a kosher system. But if you're talking about one shop, I'm just not sure which shop I was in, That that's different. Or I'm going to put it a little bit differently to you. And that is when the safek is truly in the object, we use rov, we use majority. But when the safek is because of subjective ignorance, we don't use rov. So I went to a shop, I don't, I'm not sure which shop I went to. Well, you're an idiot. What were you doing? What were you thinking? Why were you mindless? You're an idiot. If you're an idiot, you can't use rov to resolve the fakus you're, you're, you're ignorant. You've got to use knowledge to resolve this safekas. But if you're dealing with an object, not an object that you, um, it's not about ignorance, this object that when you first encounter the object, there's no way of knowing. It's just an object in the street. So the object is a safek. It's not a piece of meat. It's it's meat that is safek kosher. That's That's what it is in its description. To resolve that dilemma, you can use principles of Rov. You can use statistics but but because it's not about ignorance it's not about you it's about the object and that idea helps in many of the cases to understand to decide is my dilemma because of individual ignorance or is it because of my de- dilemma because of, of objective uncertainty if it's objective uncertainty i can use rov if it's subjective ignorance i cannot use rov but we in going a little further in trying to understand how does this change? How does the dead body change because it moves over the boundary? How does the um, piece of meat change uh, if between the time that the meat was lost and that you found it in the street, an extra shop was created, shifting the majority to from kosher to treif, an extra shop opened in the city, the meat suddenly changes from one to the other? How, how does that work and, and what is that about? So to understand that... And those of you who understand quantum mechanics, will, will, this will make more sense to you than those of us who, who don't really understand it. But if I, I take as one of the parshiyot in the Tanakh that give us a sense of this, the Pasha of David and Goliath. So if you look on the next page of the Makuris, I've got the, the the relevant psukim. So Goliath comes out. Well, who is Goliath? He's got a copper helmet and he's got these this amazing armor um and how much it weighs and what is on his feet and he's a giant of a man armed to the hilt he's incredibly terrifying and, and we describe his his armor armory and how much it is. David comes along and says <laughs> who is this uncircumcised Philistine who has the chutzpah to insult the people of Hashem. What is happening here? And then Shaul says to David, You can't conquer, you can't try and take on this man. You're a kid. And he's an armed military man all his life. That's who he's been. You can't take him on. David says to the plishti later on, You're coming to me with a shield and a sword. And I come to you with Hashem's help. What's happening here? What enables David to take on Goliath when Shaul and the entire nation say it's not possible? What's possible and what's not possible is limited by how you choose to perceive it. David doesn't see him as a giant. David sees him as a pygmy. And the, the way you perceive it determines its reality for you. It may be a different reality for somebody else. But the fact that you can beat Goliath and nobody else can, it's not just about Nisim. If it was just about a miracle, the story would be much shorter. Tanakh goes to the effort of telling us how David sees him and how everybody else saw him. And the way you see an obstacle or the way you see an opportunity actually defines your capacity to master it and to deal with it. So we've got to get involved in in helping people that we lead and and ourselves as well. Not only once once the challenge is there, it's how you look at it from the the beginning. How do you perceive the issue? How how do you do that? I'm dealing with a a client of mine, a wonderful German young man who who is solving such world problems with technology. Um, and and to him, he's, what frustrates him is when people see barriers. He says, I just don't see them. A barrier is just a little thing to get over. There's a way around every... I don't see barriers. And it gets frustrating. When not only when people tell, I can't because... It gets frustrating for me that they even see the barriers. It's a, it's a way you look at the world that determines your competence and your capacity. And it changes the reality. There's a beautiful piece of Reshis Chochme in Shara Nova where he talks about if a man is walking, a you're walking on a, a hose pipe that's lying on the, on the sidewalk and you're balancing on the hose pipe like kids do and you find you can actually walk for a long, 100 meters, 200 meters, you're walking on the hose pipe and you don't lose your balance. It's all great. Put the hose pipe on a, on a, a tightrope pillar and lift it off the street by 100 meters or put it across the Niagara Falls and try and walk over the hosepipe now. What's changed? It's a hosepipe. You did it fine when it was on the ground. All that's changed is your fear. You now don't see it as a hosepipe. You now see it as a tightrope. But it's the same hosepipe. And the Reish's Chochmah uses that to, do, to help us understand how we, how we relate to people. People are to us what we make them to us. How we perceive them to be. That determines how they are. We see them as enemies. They're enemies. We see them as friends. They're friends. And it's like that with everything in the world. How you choose to see reality forms that reality. Provided, as we said in the beginning, that you're the, because how you choose to see it is initiated by the point of dilemma where you have an opportunity to see it in different ways. At that point, you have a choice. as Do I want to see it this way or do I want to see it that way? But you can't look at a house and say it's a chicken. There's no dilemma. There's nothing to look at. It's when the dilemma is created and there's an opportunity to look at this two different ways, you can choose how to do it. You remember one of the big we had a, few, a month or two ago, you can choose assumptions. You can choose what you want to assume. In any event, what you want to assume is likely to be at best 50% chance of being right or partially right. All our assumptions are not 100% right and likely to be 100% right. We're free to choose our assumptions. We're free to choose how to look at something that's unclear. You can't choose to look at something that is clear. That's the Teisha Hanuyot. You don't know which shop you went into. That's ignorant. It's quite clear. There's a, you went into a shop and if you knew what shop it was, you can establish exactly it. Not a problem. But this piece of meat you have no history with, you have no background, you don't know, you have no context. If you have context, you have to use the context to form your opinion. But if you have no context, you can create the context, you can choose how to see it. And the way you choose how to see it is going to affect the reality of it. So what? What the way I like to see this is Rav Shimon Shkop is right. That it is as if there's poison in the object. It's poisonous to the Neshama. But the way you choose to look at it can change the effect of that poison, whether it's really going to be poisonous or not. It can change how it is. It changes how you relate to it. You can be uh, vaccinated against the poison. It doesn't mean that because there's poison in it, it will always harm you. You can choose under certain circumstances. And this Sugya, together with its sister Sugya throughout Shas, help us understand when we have a dilemma, how do we choose how to view that dilemma? When there is a barrier, to decide how to view that barrier. Because the way we choose to view, The obstacles and the opportunities that surround us actually determine the success with which we can confront them.